Hi, everybody. Wayne Soares, welcoming you once again to A Walk Down Memory Lane. Our program today is brought to you by our friends at Sweet Heel Purity Clarity CBD. For more information, go to sweetheel.com. What a great pleasure to have on the show today. One of my all-time favorite, favorite people. And I've known this gentleman for, uh, I think, coming up on uh, 25 or 30 years. Great pleasure to welcome to the program former Major League catcher Tim Blackie Blackwell. How you doing, my man? Hi, Wayno. Doing great. How are you? Very well, thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, you're out in the West Coast in San Diego. Appreciate you uh, getting up a little early today to uh, to help us out. You bet. My pleasure. Now we're we're speaking with the pride of Will C. Crawford Senior High School. You also <laughs> went to Grossmont College as well. You know we have a, a, a huge staff doing a lot of a lot of research on you uh, today, Blackie. But uh, you know, you were probably one of the youngest draftees in 1970. The Red Sox take you in the 13th round. You're only 17 years of age. What was what was that? What was that like for you? Oh, it was very bizarre. Because no clue. Um, I still have no clue, but I had no clue back then whatsoever. Um, the big thing that was happening was, uh, of course, the Vietnam and uh, and the draft back back then and and all of a sudden somebody comes up to me uh, i'm at school and he said you got drafted i said wait a second we didn't the, the draft didn't happen yet and my number is something like 150 years something around there and uh said no 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 you got drafted by the boston red sox and i said what that work so uh, I, I ended up signing um uh, Ray Boone, um, the grandfather of uh, Aaron, and um, uh, I mean the Boone tradition. Bob Boone was his son, and and sure. uh, I, and uh, so I, I ended up signing with him on a Sunday night. I had to uh, have my mom and my stepdad both sign the contract as well because, of course, I wasn't of legal age. Right, and um, we had our uh, school graduation on Thursday that following Thursday. And then on Friday, I was on an airplane and found myself in the lovely uh, Metropolis Jamestown, New York. Jamestown, New York, of the, of the Penn League. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're, you're probably... We were the Jamestown... We were the Jamestown Falcons at that time. Oh, Jamestown Falcons. Wow. What were... What were... Uh, when you coached for Pittsfield, we're going to get to that, though, but uh, Jamestown had a team. Were they the Expos, Blackie, when we were... Uh... Yes, when we when we had play. Yes. That's right. That's right. Now you would go on to you had a very short minor league career. I believe only three to four years, and then you get brought up uh, to the Red Sox in '74. You were there in '74 and '75 on that on that great, great, great American League pennant winning team. Um, you played, uh, I believe, '75. Uh, Did you have a little bit of Eddie Casco in '74? No, no, that was. Um, was it still, the, that was uh, Daryl Johnson. Daryl Johnson for those two years, correct? DJ, yes. What? 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 I, um, go ahead. What kind of a? What kind of a? When I was in Tidewater um, for the Mets, DJ was a Daryl Johnson was a um, he was a traveling scout, and what kind of a manager he was? Oh, he seemed like a very 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 laid back guy. He was from Oklahoma, Enid, Oklahoma. I believe very, very, very kind of laid back guy. What what kind of guy was he as a manager? Well, <laughs> but, 
everything was very um, new to me and, and overwhelming, to, to be honest. Um, I don't know so much on him being laid back, but he was very demanding of what I was uh, doing and, and how I was supposed to be. I first ran across or was aware of Daryl Jones. He was the, the AAA manager in 73 in, in um, uh, Bristol. And then got called up at, uh, to help out with the AAA um going to the junior world series at the time and um a, a big, big prospect by the name of tom Maggard that and uh, a mysterious illness and uh, even the hospital i got called up and i got to play in the junior world series with those uh cecil cooper and some and, and um uh, ended up enjoying that and that was my first exposure Daryl Johnson and then 74 uh, was my first spring training and uh, you know I ended up getting called up because of the unfortunate mishap at home plate with uh, Carlton Fisk getting his knee crushed and um, missing the rest of the season so I, I got by that and shared time with uh, Bob Montgomery and Timmy McCarver. That was a that was a great, 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 great seventy five team. You guys, I think, a little under a uh, hundred games that you that you won. I think you won ninety five games, um, but that team was loaded. I mean, you had Yaz, you had Rico Petroselli, the the rooster Rick Burleson was a shortstop. Uh, Denny Doyle, I believe, was your second baseman. Yaz shared time with Doug Griffin. That's as right, well. Doug Griffin. That's right. That's yeah. right. And you had Coop over at first base. Coop at first. Uh, Rick Miller, uh, time out in the outfield. Freddie Lynn, Bernie Carbo, Dwight Evans, right? Dewey, that's right. Yeah, that was that was a team that was uh, very strong, very strong. And you actually, you guys went on to uh, well, let's the staff too. I think Dick Drago was your closer, right? Yeah. And then you had yep. Reggie, uh, Reggie Cleveland, the spaceman, uh, Billy <laughs> Rick Rick Wise. Yeah, yeah. Al. Man. Uh, Jim Willoughby yeah. was was yeah. Fergie they, Jenkins on that team too? No, no. Okay, okay. And then of course you had El Tiante, Louis Tiant. Yeah, that was he was he was a treat. And got a chance to uh, uh, you know his he was able to uh, you know I don't remember if that was seventy five or even seventy four when his father was able to come from Cuba to watch him. Uh, and uh, I had the good fortune of being able to get first ceremonial uh, first. And that was a, a neat treat for me because, uh, he, you know, I, you retrieve the ball or you catch the ball and you, and you pre out to uh, Louis' dad. And that was a, an emotional moment for the two of them. That was really cool for, that I had to experience that. Sure, I remember watching that on TV, and the old man—the old man looked like he could still—he could still pitch. Yeah, <laughs> he was—he was tall and lean, and uh, man, he—he could—he could pitch. You know, uh, we all know about the, the World Series. The Sox go on; it was one of the greatest World Series of all time. And you—you uh, you guys lose to the to the Reds four to three. But uh, I'd like to talk to you about some personalities on that team uh, and, and get your thoughts uh, first and foremost. Uh, very, very, very dear friend of, of mine. He's been a great mentor like yourself, and uh, he's like part of the family. Rico Petroselli. How, how, what mm-hmm. people talk about how 
tough the recall was. And Bill Lee, had, he said, you know, I, I think it was in Anaheim one time. They, they got into a fight. Rico was in the trainer's room in like the fourth inning getting something taken care of. And it was a bench-clearing brawl. And Rico was out there in his, uh, in his stockings, you know, trying to go ahead and take wax at, at people. But, a, but a, a very, very good and loyal teammate, wasn't he? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, seriously, fierce competitor, the least. Yeah. And, um, you know, he always seemed to be, um, you know, calm and cool and collected. But uh, there, there were times when he short fuse and he could go off in a hurry. But I was always one of those guys that was going to protect the back of his teammates for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, El Tiante. He really kind of kept the, uh, you know, the clubhouse loose. Rico was my first guest on uh, a walk down memory lane, and uh, he talked about Tian. Just, just he had nicknames for everybody, kept everybody loose, and um, what kind of guy was he? Away from, we want to talk about his competitiveness as a pitcher, but what kind of guy was he away from that competitiveness in the clubhouse? Oh, he was an, oh, he was definitely a nut. Um, <laughs> remember him in the the whirlpool and uh you know getting in there in the heat and uh, they put the I, I it seemed like he had a special uh, bubble bath that he would put into the thing much to chagrin of the trainers needing to clean the thing out but he, he would he would be in there and smoking those those cigars that looked like a small baseball bat yeah. and <laughs> uh, you know he, he just head and the cigar would be sticking out almost like it was a snorkel in the, in the tub so that was uh, one of my memories seeing him doing that kind of stuff how how when he was in his groove how much of a pleasure was that and 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 your your big label uh i, I think throughout your career was you you, you were excellent uh at, you had fabulous uh, pitch calling skills how how good was it what when you got in a groove with with El Tiante, how, how much fun was that? Oh, absolutely! You know, when everybody's talking about him, you know, head and bobbing his head and doing that twist all the way around, so you, the batter's uh, number on his back and turning around like that. Well, I, I think that was the same thing when he was ready to pitch, started to pitch, and you know, I'd, I'd be squatting back, still flipping down signs and trying to figure out which one he liked. And I think sometimes he turned his back and shake his head, and he kind of well, oh, okay, I'm not sure what sign that was, but here it comes. <laughs> and so I, I, I was in where I'm like the hitter almost. Uh, I, I'm looking fastball, I got to adjust to the breaking ball. <laughs> but Louis was just so right. Once you get in that rhythm, and uh, you're connecting right, you 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 know what he wants to throw in those certain situations. And, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, he wasn't the flamethrower that, you know, he was when he first came up, right. but he was one of those guys that, that adjusted and adapted to his own ability and, and to the league. But he was so much fun to watch. Now, take me through a little bit of his repertoire. Sneaky, sneaky fastball. He had that. He had that big, the the curve that it was like started twenty feet high and then came down. I think he, I think he threw it to Pete Rose in the, in the first game of the '75 World Series. He threw him one of those, and Rose turned around and was like, "What the heck was that?" I, yeah. I couldn't believe it. And a good quick slider too, right? Yeah, yeah, that was fun. 
And the only thing I think he didn't throw was the deepest pitch that Bill Lee threw a couple of times. But then Tony Perez put that out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And out over the monster. Threw one too many times. Now, along those lines, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about the spaceman. We just uh, saw him at our second annual uh, celebrity golf tournament to benefit homeless and disabled veterans, and uh, he is. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I've, I've never seen somebody. You know, I, I, I saw him pitch as a as a as a youngster, but. Uh, at any event that, he, that I've ever been with him at, and he and his wife, Diana, have become very, very, very good friends. I mean, the man works a room like nobody. I mean, he's got more <laughs> stories than Walt Disney. He sees everybody, takes pictures. Uh, what, what kind of guy? You were you were young, so you, you didn't run with those guys, with, with the Buffalo Head Club, right? No, fortunately, yeah, I did yeah, not. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. But but as, as, much as, a, as much as a, I mean, as much as they, they call him Spaceman, and that would lead one to believe that, you know, he's, he's goofy and he's, he's an extremely, extremely intelligent man. Um, one heck of a competitor. Like, absolutely. So, you know, and he made a comment at, at our event, at a VIP event the night before the golf tournament, that he never played on a, 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 a team under 500. And I didn't realize that no, until, no. until I yet when he went out to even with even when he went out uh, the first I th- believe when he got traded to the Expos, um, they were like one game from going to the American League Championship Series, I believe, or the or the World Series or something. And yeah, and I looked it up, and it's true. He, with the Red Sox, always above five hundred. But how good was it, you know, with 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 Bill Lee? How, how good was that when he when he was in the groove? Well, I, you know. That's one of the things that I learned um, early in my career, that once uh, a pitch into a groove and gets into a rhythm, that's more important than the stuff he has for that particular pitch. You know, it's all about that rhythm, the timing, the release point, and that kind of stuff. When when sometimes hurry, when they get all sloppy and, and get out of sorts, and then the, the, uh, the, they lose their control and going here, there, and everywhere. And that's one of the things that Bill Lee was competitor, that, you know, and so much fun all the time. It, it didn't matter what he doing. And really, it didn't matter what the score was because he was, the game was zero to zero all the time or he was hanging on to a one run lead. And uh, one of the things he's so thrilled uh, about being able to hit, he's always put himself quite the hitter and, and one of the unfortunate things was playing in the American League with the designated hitter. He didn't get the hit. Right, right, right. We're chatting today with uh, former Major League Baseball catcher and good friend, Tim Blackwell. Career spanned from 1974 to 1983 with the Red Sox, Phillies, Cubs, and Expos. Uh, how did you – did you have to handle, you know, Tion and the Spaceman differently when you went out to talk to them? He didn't want me out there. <laughs> really? Is that right? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, and sometimes it was just, well, I'm just, you know, they told me to come out, so I'm just stalling for time. Right. Uh, and my position where they get somebody, they want to get cranked up in the bullpen, so that's all you're doing is stalling for time to, you know, because those guys don't want to come out of the game. Are you kidding? Right. They love being out there, and they don't care what the, you know, they just want to compete with somebody and, 
They don't care how you out. They just want to see you out. They're going to find a way to compete. To, uh, to, uh, uh, one of the the great uh, uh, moments, I think, that, that Rico Petroselli talked about was uh, when, when Daryl Johnson would, would come out to, to take the ball from Louie, and you just mentioned it. Blackie has said Louie didn't want to give the ball up. He'd say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to lose this game myself. I'm not going to go ahead and give it – leave me in there. And then he said that one of the – he would just go out there because the, the, the boomer, um, he wasn't there in 75. He was with the um, uh, he was with the Milwaukee Brewers. But Rico would, would kind yeah. of come in from third base, and the boomer always thought he could try to calm Louie down and – and uh, you know the boomer would be kicking the dirt, say, "Come on, man, you gotta come on, you gotta pick it up and everything." And and Tiant would look at him and go, "Hey, boomer, what do you know about peaching? You know, you know nothing about <laughs> peaching. Get out of here." And Rico would be out there trying to put his glove over his face and everything like that. But uh, definitely, definitely two two of the best competitors ever. Uh, I'll put you in a spot here. Should, should Louis Tiant be in the Hall of Fame? Oh, I'd love to see it. I'd love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely he's got the numbers. I think he's got the numbers and um, definite track record. Uh, and I think to to be in there. Uh, let, let's talk about the captain, Carl Yastrzemski. Now, you're a young guy. Was 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 he kind of more hung out with a lot of the older guys, or did he, you know, did he try to kind of help you out? A la like Mickey Mantle, every young guy that came in, he took him out for a steak dinner, made him feel acclimated, and took him, showed him. Places to go to, you know, to restaurants that they hung out at, and places to buy clothes and things like that. Was was Yaz like that, or was Yaz a little bit more aloof? I'm I'm, I'm thinking he's, he was a little bit more. He was aloof. Yeah, I don't know if he even knew I was there. Yeah. Um. He, yeah. He yeah, he his routine down, and uh, you know, no, nothing that I'm going to do is going to influence what he does for sure. Right. I know some of the you know some of the pranks that. Uh, and some of the had done and that I'd heard about. Um, so I knew that uh, I, I, there, there was no way I was going to run with those guys. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and there was a couple of times, um, and, uh, well, 74, Yaz was going through a tough time. And um, the, after a ball game, they, you know, all of you're clearing out. And uh, he wanted to go back out and take batting practice. Yeah, his, and I thought, oh, this is strange. And, uh, you know, they'd already turned out the stadium lights and all that kind of stuff, clearing out the fans, and all of a sudden they bring out the batting cage and all the screens and doing all that kind of stuff. The ground crew, I'm sure they were a little irritated because they were going to have to stay after hours. And um, so I thought, oh, shoot, this is going to hit. I want to go out and I'll sh- and watch it hit. Oh, no, no, no. You can't do that. Nobody was <laughs> Don Bryant was our bull coach and, and uh, through batting practice. And he said, he whacked his finger in front of my face. Oh, no, Keith, you're not going out there. Wow. So it's okay. It's just kind of a private one-on-one until he worked things out. So he went out there and smacked balls around and got back in the groove. And then all of a sudden, it, it got hot again. So just one of those guys, he knows himself, knows what he has to do keep himself sharp and and that's what he did so i mean it was like midnight and he's out there doing batting practice yeah that was a big label of yes that that he had a tremendous tremendous work ethic oh and and people don't realize what a what a great um 
He had a heck of an arm, too. Oh, yeah. A heck, a heck of an arm. Accurate. Yeah. yeah. A cannon. Um, you, you go to the Phillies in 76 and 77, then you get to the, the, the latter half of that, I think, in 77, you, you go to the Expos. You, you had mentioned before about uh, playing with Andre Dawson. What, what kind of a talent was he? I mean, he always looked like he was angry, you know, just as well. You know. But, I mean, was, was, was he a good guy? Yeah. Oh, excellent guy. I mean, yeah, but he you talk about an intense competitor. Uh, when he was going up to hit, you know, do anything he can, you're not going to get me out. I'm going to hit the ball hard somewhere, anywhere. And that's the kind of guy he was. So, and, and, you know, playing in the outfield, he was just really, really tough. And um, so that was the whole thing with him. He was a serious competitor. His nickname was The Hawk, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he could some balls in the outfield for sure. Yeah. Uh, you, you land with the Cubs in 78 to, to 81, and, and I've asked a gentleman who played there as well. He was an all-star in 1974, Steve Swisher, who we both know. Um, and I always asked him about Harry Carey. He said Harry Carey was immensely powerful in the great city of Chicago. If he didn't like you as a player, he could run you out of town yeah. on the rail. Is that true? Uh, I was I wasn't Chicago when Harry Carey was around. He was still with St. Louis. Okay, and, and we, uh, Lou Boudreau and Jack Brickhouse and uh, Milo Hamilton. Oh wow! And are... those guys that were there for a thousand years. Three three blasts from the past. That's <laughs> legends. Legends. Who was who was your favorite? Who was your favorite manager? Oh boy, I think I learned the most from uh, Daryl Johnson. Uh, oh. But one of the guys that um, uh, some of the same teams he had uh, was Preston Gomez when I was uh, Preston Gomez would uh, um, would uh, get at everybody and have a team meeting and call everybody. Um, he, he was trying to real serious. Everybody and said, "We've got." Too many and not enough captains. So we're trying to figure out what the heck does that mean. But um, uh, yeah, we had, we had tough times uh, with the Cubs. Uh, the really family um, uh, would run things, um, and then of course under the Tribune Company, then they became champions. But uh, the Wrigley family was tight with uh, how the grant uh, and the expense around the ballpark and. They always um, they figured out a full house during the season, but once uh, school opened back up, then then we wouldn't have the crowds. So they figured, well, it doesn't matter if you win any games at that point. So that's that was the the mo for the Cubs. They always seemed to fade in uh, September when he got back to school. Exactly, exactly. Many, many, many seasons watching them, um, and the Wrigley family probably. One of, one of the biggest fa- baseball families in all of Major League Baseball, right? No, it's, you know, one of the really embarrassing things that uh, that would happen for us, and, and we're, we're hitting and uh, in batting practice, and you'd hear a commotion down the right field foul line. And, uh, you know, somebody's walking along, um, you just would gather a crowd and sign an autograph so you'd walk down on the thing. So here, here comes Ernie Banks 
He's got on his sport coat. He's got a tie. And he's, you know, wearing his wingtips. And he walks down and he comes up to the batting cage. So he grabs a bat out of somebody's hand and just swings, you know, a couple practice swings. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're up there grunting like crazy trying to hit the ball hard and uh, taking our usual batting practice. And he comes and he takes his sport coat off. He got his tie on. And he loosens tough the buttons on his cuff. Steps in there with his wingtips on now. And all of a sudden, he says, oh, you got to just And he goes up there and takes a swing, smacks the ball out of the ballpark, and the fans are going crazy out there in the bleeders. Wow. And, of course, you know, he had about five or six out, and we're up there grunting like crazy to hit the ball hard and <laughs> hopefully hit one out. And he just goes up that's all you got to do is juice it. Mr. It, Cub. It was embarrassing. <laughs> what a Mr. great memory. Cub. That's what they do. What, what, a, what a great story. Who was who who out of the, the Hall of Famers that you met over the course of your years? Who was who your favorite? Who was your favorite top two? Oh, man. Are you kidding? Uh, you got me stumped right there. Oh, okay. Um, I would have to <laughs> Come on, Wayno. Well, my main, my brain doesn't work that way. About, you know? Well, oh, you were the Red Sox organization. You had to, you had to meet Ted Williams. Uh, no, I did not meet him at time. Um, wow. Not with the Sox. Um, actually, he was his Ranger manager. Oh, and that's uh, where you would see him that way. Yeah, that's right. That was my era. Okay, he was Rangers. Okay, How, what kind of guy was uh, what kind of guy was uh, was Ernie Banks? Ernie was awesome. I mean, he was always friendly, always had a positive message for anybody and everybody. And, uh, again, you know, let's do, he's signing autographs all the time and, um, just, just be around. He game, love the people. Nice. Now you go ahead and you get out of baseball. Uh, I believe it was 83. You played your, uh, your last season with the Expos. And then you become, uh, following your playing career, you become a catching instructor and coach for the Toronto Blue Jays, minor league manager. And I will say this, not because of our relationship, one of the best I've ever seen. You go on with the Orioles, the Rockies, Brewers, Giants, and, of course, the Mets. That's where we met in 1989, the Pittsfield Mets. You took them to the championship game. You were manager of the year. And then the following, uh, not the fall, well, you uh, get promoted uh, to, uh, I believe it was, you went down to St. Lucie? Yes. And then, yes. and then in 91, you took the Columbia Mets to the championship. Um, your, your style was, 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 a very, was a very, very, very laid back, but you, you were a very, very, very good teacher. And I think a, a lot of the players that I saw that were in Pittsfield, they, they really took to that. And I can remember coming in, and, and you made it even in a, in a minor league uh, situation, well, pro ball, but you made that was it was like a family. I'd, I'd walk into your office to get the lineup or whatever it is, and the guys would be in there, and uh, you know they, they'd be just relaxing. They'd be you know playing cards or you know doing video games, whatever it was. It was a very 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 relaxed atmosphere, and 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 you won. You, you won everywhere that you went. I got in trouble <laughs> in Pittsfield in that relaxed clubhouse atmosphere um at uh you remember the old t program home run derby 
and um, we would watch. We would watch after. Um, I, I think it was after batting practice between the time that we would go out and take infield uh, to to get ready for the last, the this you know first. But we we would sit there and watch the old uh, the old reruns. The black of, and whites. Uh, the, the black and whites. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. And we had a, we had a blast watching that. The guys really enjoyed that. So you know they'd be sitting on the floor watching the thing. And you're right. There's other guys out in the clubhouse playing some cards. Is you know you find off the game for a little while, relax and clear your head, and then you can go back out because when you're out there in the game, you know it's it's intense. The guys are competitors, and they do what they can. They do what they want to do. And it's something we do. We love playing. And we love to compete no matter what, you know, uh, you know, tiddlywinks. It doesn't matter. We like to compete. Mm. Mm. Um, talking about your, your managerial style, I, were, you ever, were you ever thrown out of a game? Yes. Sure. Because I see, gets thrown out. <laughs> well, the reason why I say that is because I saw you a couple of times in uh, 89 with the Pittsfield Mets. You went out. And you argued for a long time. And typically, when guys don't get that type of leniency, if you will, you're not dropping f bombs or whatever it is, but you're, but you're, you're, you're trying to make your point across. And it, it wasn't with any vulgarity or anything like that. And I think that gives that gives a manager a little bit more rope, if you will, when he's when he's coming out. There. If he's not well, he's not going to hang around long if he's if he's going to drop the f bomb right away because he's going to get banged. But, right, but. What was what was what was the key to Tim Blackwell as, or the keys, if you will, to Tim Blackwell as a manager? Well, um, I had considered myself as being a player's manager, mm. and um, you know, I wanted the nice opportunity to put them in the best light that they can be, and put them in a in a position, hopefully, where they can win. Um, you know, when you're in player development, you have to kind of force feed some players at times to be able to do do some of that stuff because they're they're not. Sometimes you have to force that starting pitcher to, uh, you know, go that extra time when when you got base loaded and nobody out. Uh, nobody would like to be in that, but sometimes you got go out there and say, the ball is yours. You're, you know, there's nobody warming up in the bullpen. Don't, so don't look for help. You got to do it yourself. Or there's a situation where guys are going to pinch it and you got to, you got to run them out there. Mm. Mm. What was the, what was the greatest moment in your professional baseball career and your managerial career for Tim Blackwell? Um, boy, yeah. the, the, the most exciting thing, uh, is playing and being in part of a, a team was the, uh, 75 world series. That was just a thrill. Uh, although, um, the only time I sniffed the field was, um, walking from the bullpen <laughs> to <yeah. laughs> that's closest. To be in for the game. Well, um, you, know, you had. I didn't there. even get. <laughs> I didn't even be on the line to be introduced with the rest of the team on on the introductions on the stuff because the bullpen warming up the starting. Pitch. Oh so, right. Um, I, I missed out on that kind of stuff, but 
Um, believe it or not, when I was managing, um, the championship that we won in Peel was, uh, well, our, we lost the final game, but um, that, that whole year was a thrill. Uh, the other thing, um, I managed the independent league in St. Paul, Minnesota. The St. Paul and that was the inaugural uh, uh, year that the independent baseball was cranked back up. And I got to make a team with uh, Leon Durham was on the team, and, and uh, Kevin, Kevin Millar mm. was our third baseman, and, and uh, you know, he was an undrafted player out of Lamar University. And, and uh, he just went on to have a tremendous career, and he's still going strong on all the ESPN stuff. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's in the the, the legendary folklore of uh, of championships. I think with the with the with the with the Boston Red Sox. Um, does it? You were one of the guys along with Steve Swisher, and I just know this from being in the organization at the time. That that I I really thought that you should have been given a shot to manage or, or be a coach in the majors. Is is that bothered you? Oh, well, I, I did for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you got. I thought you got. And you and I have talked about this before, but I thought you really got a raw deal because I mean, I think that's what the minor leagues are for, is to you know to teach and produce and win. When you did all three of those, Swish did the same thing, and uh, you know you, you never got the opportunity. Yeah, well, that's that's just you know that that's part of the thing. Um, uh, I, I would have uh, never. As a player, not been for uh, Carlton Fisk's unfortunate incident at home plate when he got his taken out. Um, but um, you know, to, um, the pigeon and his wife there are good friends, and and uh, I've got a lot of respect for what he accomplished uh, with, with his career. And you know, uh, he, he he knew that I was a guy that was there to fill in and to came back, and I knew that same thing. I was always uh, some. Um, I was the endurance policy mm. in, in an organization, so um, I knew what my role was in in that thing. And and when I started, to, that's what I wanted to do with the players uh, that are coming off bench. I wanted them to they were uh, instrumental in the success of the of the team that we were on and. Uh, I made I got playing time and not sitting on the bench time collecting splinters. Mm. 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 How does how does Tim Blackwell? How do you want to be remembered as a as a, as a person? Oh my! Come on, now you're getting serious. Um, uh, <laughs> how do I want to be remembered? Um, I don't know, a, a good guy, somebody that, uh, that trustworthy, uh, honest, uh, dependable mm. and faithful. Well, I can say that, uh, my, my adjectives would be classy, uh, extremely humble, humble, um, a little, a little carefree, wonderful, wonderful family man, great husband and a, and a, and a great, uh, and a great son, which, Leads me to my next question. Your mom is 102 years old. Yes, sir. Ma Blackwell, and she's still going strong. 
God bless her. She's, she's slowing down a bit, but yes, she's going strong. Um, as strange as it may be, that uh, at 101, uh, she was not feeling very well. And uh, and I, my wife, uh, took her to the uh, urgent care. And uh, they said, well, there's a reason you're not doing so well. You need to have a pacemaker. We said, what? Wow. So uh, we went to the uh, emergency room at our local hospital and determined, and they her, um you know, you're you're strong enough, or do you want to have a pacemaker? And of course, she sound mine. She's sure. <laughs> Give me a pacemaker. So at 101, they put a pacemaker in into her, and then uh, another month later, we were getting to go to my son's Christmas party, and she had an accident and fall and break hip, and um, so for Christmas, uh, she's a brand new hip. <laughs> <laughs> Santa was good to her, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things one of the things that that I always have admired about you and your lovely wife Jane is the just the closeness that you have with your family and my daughter Jessie and I were privy to that when you guys uh came to town and it, I believe it was the was the Saturday of the Kentucky Derby or uh, I, I think it was back in the Kentucky Derby we all were down in my basement and we had, I mean, all the, the grandkids were there and they were playing and everybody was sitting back and, and just having a great time, having some cocktails and relaxing, watching the, watching the race. And then we went all out for dinner that night. But that, that sense of the family atmosphere, and I kind of paused to look around and you've got, you know, um, you get your grandkids over here. Uh, you've got your, your wife. You've got your daughter. I think Jana was there, correct? Yes, yes. And, uh, and, that, and, and that was just a, it was a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. That was a blast. And, um, <laughs> who, who knew that you were going to be descended upon by oh, all no. of those? We, we loved it. We loved it. And I'll tell you, um, my cousin is one of the principal owners at, uh, at, at Sweet Hill, which our show is being brought to you today by. Um, and he and my cousin Jeffrey, when you were, the manager in Pittsfield, you gave them a, an experience that they still talk about where they got to the game real early and you brought them out there before BP. And I think both of them were in junior high school or maybe high school. And uh, you gave them a, a memory of a lifetime because they had a chance to, to, to you were throwing BP and had a chance to, to hit off you at Wakona park and, uh, and hit with, with wood. And uh, it was just a great, great, great memory. So, Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you so much for that, and that's something that they still they still talk about. And before we before we hang up, I I, I used it uh, all the way through my minor league announcing career. But you taught me one of the greatest one of the greatest descriptions, um, or one of the just it's phenomenal about the mother in law hop. And oh. uh, when, when it. <laughs> When a guy goes and he's fielding the ball and the ball jumps up, hits him in the throat, or hits him in the face, you call that a mother-in-law hop. And I thought that was man, I got I got so it's almost cost me my job because I use it so much all the time. You know the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the guy at the radio station, GM used to go, all right, enough about the mother-in-law hop, enough about that, forget it. That it was so 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 absolutely so great and. Uh, Really appreciate you taking the time today, my dear friend, and, and sharing uh, some great moments and stories here on A Walk Down Memory Lane. Thanks so much. 
Yeah, Wayno, it's a pleasure. It's always fun to chat with you. It's always great to chat with you, my friend, and uh, all the best to uh, Jane and the kids and your mom. And uh, once again, my guest today in a walk down memory lane has been former Major League catcher and great friend, Tim Blackwell. For Tim, I'm Wayne Soares. We'll talk to you next week here on a walk down memory lane.